welcome to Hamilton Wealth Partners podcast number 67 for April 2022. I'm joined today by my colleague Kane Baranow uh, and today we'll be looking back at the quarter that was and give you a bit of insight into how we are seeing markets looking forward. At the beginning of the calendar year, we reiterated our view that 2022 would not be a repeat of 2021. With the devastating war in the Ukraine and the focus on inflation and interest rates in January of this year, markets have not only experienced downside, but significant uncertainty and volatility. Markets dislike uncertainty, and what the conflict in Eastern Europe has created is just that. While sanctions have been both prompt and severe, it is Europe where we've seen the greatest volatility in equity markets. Capital Economics in London put this in perspective. The rest of the world's direct financial exposure to Russia has fallen in recent years and, in aggregate, is now small. This limits the risk of financial contagion from the collapse of, the Russian, of Russia's economy that is well underway. If financial contagion does spread to major economies, it is likely to be because the losses are concentrated in a systemically important institution. The vulnerabilities are impossible to fully assess in advance of any problems emerging, but are likely to be greatest in Europe. Whilst things can certainly get worse from here, it's important to note that a lot of the negative news is known and priced in. Whilst we are looking at significant interest rate rises, which is a concern to many investors, it's important to remember that whilst these rises are significant, the level of interest rates will continue to be relatively low if we look back historically. We've talked a lot about diversification and the sources of returns, and we do believe returns for 2022 will come from both avoiding mistakes and from a variety of asset classes. As we enter the second quarter of 2022, our asset allocation, tactical asset allocation position is as follows. An overweight position to Australian equities, emerging market equities, with an equal underweight position to developed market equities. An overweight position to private equity and growth alternatives. Neutral to property and infrastructure. Underweight to diversified credit and secure debt with the marginal overweight to cash. And with that, I'll hand over to Kane Baranow to talk about equities. Thanks, Michael. So yeah, the, the, the underlying theme um, during quarter one was it was well and truly volatility. So it returned in a meaningful way. Um, and, and most major equity indices recorded um, a correction, which is a fall of greater than 10%. Um, and some uh, more tech-heavy in indices such as the NASDAQ actually entered bear market territory. So that's a fall from peak to trough of greater than 20%. Um, most of these indices did rebound later in the quarter, um, but the moves came following higher, as Michael mentioned, higher and uh, more persistent inflation concerns at the beginning of the quarter, and that was amplified by t the terrible news of war in Europe. Um, the gains towards the end of the month um, were on the, on the back of the assumption that so much negative news had already been priced in. Some commentators added that hawkish language from the Fed on tackling inflation was also a positive, but the risk of the Fed needing to go harder and faster than previously thought 
raises the probability of equity drawdown risk. So this is something we're focusing on quite closely at the moment. The Australian dollar detracted from unhedged equity returns as it increased towards 75 US cents towards the end of March. And that came primarily on the back of strong commodity prices. So as Michael mentioned, we moved all listed equity positions back to neutral around the middle of the month. And then we moved marginally overweight domestic equities and emerging market equities towards the end of the month um, based on relatively more positive policy settings and a favourable market composition domestically where we've got overweights in materials and underweights in growth names. So that should continue to benefit our local market in a higher rate environment. These overweights were funded via reduction in developed market equities, in particular the US. So in aggregate, we remain neutral listed equity markets. So now I'm just going to quickly touch on property. Uh, we continued to assess several property, direct property deals during the quarter. However, however, we did not participate in any transactions as higher valuations are making it more difficult to identify value acquisitions. The strong cap rate compression um, that we saw from about late 2020 all the way through 2021, it looks to have finally eased. So tighter financial conditions um, are starting to dampen investor appetite for some of these long duration property assets. So we, we remain neutral property and we'll be focusing very much so on a manager's ability to raise rents moving forward as higher yields are necessary in many cases to justify the higher valuations in the market currently. Real yields for REITs uh, still appear attractive in relative terms to bonds and they'll be supported by economic growth and the longer term low absolute level of real yields. So we remain neutral property as we enter quarter two. So now I'm gonna hand back over to Michael to touch on fixed income. Fixed income. Um, the US Federal Reserve raised the US cash rate by 25 basis points in March, marking their first increase in over three years. Interest rate expectations were volatile during the quarter, having dropped in late February at the onset of the war in Europe and then rising sharply in late March. Some commentators were calling for, are now calling for consecutive 50 basis point rises and total hikes exceeding 200 basis points by the end of 2022. Global government and corporate debt sold off aggressively during the quarter and recorded their biggest decline from peak to trough on record, falling 11% from highs reached in January 2021. We've remained disciplined with respect to our low duration position, positioning within portfolios, and this has generated outperformance during quarter one. We note several managers we use have started to add duration, however, to their portfolios for the first time in several years. Domestic fixed income markets are pricing in over six local uh, rate rises by the end of 2022, and bond markets have responded in force, with the 10-year Australian bond yield now closing in on 3% as we near the end of March. <clears throat> Capital economics have pointed out um, that property remains the, weak link, uh, remains the weak link as interest rates rise in Australia. Um, they've highlighted the sensitivity of property markets in regions like Australia to increases in rates, noting that the strong linkages between consumption via the wealth effect and structurally higher dependence on variable rate mortgages. Short duration secured debt and cash positions were beneficiaries of our reduction in listed equity positions during the quarter, 
and we enter quarter two with a marginal underweight position to secure debt, continuing to favour low duration managers and a neutral cash position. And I'll, I'll pass back to Kane to speak about diversified credit and private markets. Thanks, Michael. So we saw quite strong deployment from our private credit managers during the quarter, and this came on the back of increased demand um, from, um, sorry, increased demand, um, which we've seen returns from this part of the market increase for the first time in several years. Um, high input costs are weighing on margins in the construction industry, and we remain cautiously positioned in senior secured loans as we view the likelihood of further stress in the building industry as likely following the collapse of high profile building groups such as ProBuild and Condev. Uh, we participate in a domestic private market distressed credit strategy during the quarter um, as we aim to further diversify return drivers and provide asymmetric risk opportunities that are less correlated to traditional markets. Our underweight position in listed credit markets supported portfolios during the during quarter one as historically tight credit spreads and global high yield spreads increase with the lift in implied recession risk. So we remain underweight listed credit as we enter quarter two. Uh, in the, the unlisted nature of private equity and unlisted infrastructure, it shielded performance during during what was a very volatile period. Infrastructure has continued to display its strong inflation hedging characteristics with core allocations benefiting from strong demand in areas such as energy. We expect the IPO market to continue to remain weak as, as it tends to do so in periods of heightened volatility. And we're monitoring the impact that this has on the ability of some of these private equity managers to exit positions in the coming years. So I now hand back over to you, Michael, to, to sum up. Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about our um, tactical positioning in the current environment, which I think is very important. But our summary today really is quite simple. You know, we're seeing markets influenced by multiple events, and that uncertainty should really continue to create opportunities. So that tactical asset allocation and taking advantage of opportunities will be important to add value in portfolios, um, as well as diversification to protect portfolios in, in the event of, of un unforeseen outcomes. So with that, we'll, we'll leave you. And um, as always, please don't hesitate to contact us if you, if you had any questions or would like to discuss. Thank you.